The following sermon was preached at Summit Community Church, a church in Jefferson City that exists to build communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God by connecting people to Christ and community. For more information, you can find it at www.somajc.org. Peace be with you. It has been a while, and I have missed y'all. Um, there's so much to tell you about. I was uh, in New Orleans with uh, 19,000 of our closest friends. Um, in a very, very hot and sticky place. Um, it wasn't fun, uh, but I, I, I enjoyed it. And then um, I almost lost a kid in a river uh, last week, and so that was fun. You jumped out. So uh, we <laughs> the, short, the short story of it is we went on whitewater rafting, and um, we got briefed by our guide about things you can and cannot do as you go down, and we're on a medium thing. And then... Uh, we got stuck on a rock, and our, and our guide told us to lean, and so we started leaning, and then all of a sudden, we heard no more instructions, um, and I hear my wife go, Aaliyah's gone, and I look back, and her and our guide are both out of the boat um, <laughs> and going down the river, and so we had to then steer the rest of our boat, all the rest of us, Annalise and Nehemiah and Mama and I had to steer the rest of the boat to go pick up our guide and my daughter down the river. It was fun, um, so... <laughs> You know, those are things that we may or may never do again. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> then we saw a bear that tried to eat Judah. It was great. It was great. It was a, it was a, a lot of fun. <laughs> you were out there teasing it, weren't you, buddy? So it was, we, we had fun time away to kind of get rejuvenated. I am ridiculously encouraged by what I saw, kids. Just so you know, uh, you guys did a great job. And the song is now stuck in my head. So I'll be singing that the rest of the day. Uh, I wasn't sure if it'd get stuck or not, but the VBS song have a way of just getting stuck in your ear um, and staying there forever and ever. And so I look forward to singing that for the rest of the day uh, with the kids. And I'm just excited to be back home. Uh, there's a lot of work that we have left to do. Um, but I want you guys to meet me today in Psalms chapter 40, because uh, we're spending the summer in Psalms. And, and so I want you to meet me in Psalm chapter 40. Grab your Bibles um, or your lightsabers, depending on what you have, and meet me in Psalm chapter 40. The reason I want to talk about Psalm chapter 40 today is because it, it actually kind of deals directly with what we're talking about when we're talking about the armor of the Lord. Because um, there's something that happens in battle a lot. I don't know if you've ever been uh, in, in a fight or if you've ever been in a battle. You ever been, but one of the things that happens in a battle is that you have to wait. You have to wait. It doesn't happen immediately. A lot of times you, you think it's going to happen. And, and when I was younger, uh, we, we would actually, and, and kids, this is not the best thing, but if everybody had a conflict, we would go to Lost 80, 80 Park. If you don't, Lost 80 Park is a right around the, uh, the, the corner from where our school was. So you'd leave school, you'd walk around the corner, and there's a park. And if you had any problems, we had go lost at any park, and that's where we'd have our discussions to work out our problems. But it was funny because what would happen, in, and you probably have had this in school also, where the day would be done, and you're just waiting. You guys ever looked at the clock in your school or look at the clock in your work and just waited for the, the seconds to tick by, the minutes to tick by? It seems like the seconds go slower the longer you stare at it and the longer you stare at it. And you're, you're trying to get to the end and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and it never seems to happen. And, and honestly, I've never met anybody that's in their right mind that likes to wait. There's nobody in my, that I know that goes, ooh, I can't wait to wait this week. I, I, I just, I love it. But we spend most of our lives doing exactly that, which is waiting. Sometimes waiting is just the most inconvenient thing that you'll ever do. 
I mean, we wait on Uber rides, we wait on phone calls, we wait on text. If you have iPhone, you know what I'm talking about when those three little dots come up and they just go back and forth as the person is texting you. I had a person do that to me for a half hour. Um, come to find out they had just typed one letter in and then gone on and do something else, and it just kept doing that. And so it just kept tempting me. I'm waiting for this long text to come through. Nothing came through. We waited at the grocery store lines. Uh, yesterday, I waited at Bucky's for an hour, right? We, we wait all the time. Um, some of us only have to wait two days for our packages to, to arrive from Amazon. Um, we wait for our, you know, if you're a little kid, uh, like Coop was, he's waiting for his toddler years to be over so he can be big like his brother. Or maybe you're in elementary and you're waiting to be in middle school or middle school waiting to be in high school. By the way, kids, let me just tell you this now from a guy with gray hair. Not much, but some. Don't rush it. I would give anything to go back to where you are. I really would. And I think all the people that are, uh, all the people that are out of uh, college would all agree with me, yes? I get some nods there. Some of you guys are like, I'm too tired to nod. I disagree. But we're always waiting for that next level, waiting for that next thing. And, and sometimes, sometimes waiting involves a genuine struggle. Sometimes, some of you right now may be dealing with a genuine pain, financial stress, fractured relationships. You may actually be dealing with it. You yearn for changes in our leaders, in our workplaces, in our schools. And currently, everybody is waiting for something to change. We're all waiting for something. We all know that crea uh, creation also waits with longing and expectations for God to come back. We wait. And so when, when I was looking at this psalm and I was kind of trying to figure out what we would preach on, I, I want to talk about what it means to wait. And sometimes, Christian, we have to wait with our armor on. Matter of fact, all the time we're waiting with our armor on. You are equipped and ready to go. And sometimes that waiting happens, and that battle comes at the time you're least expecting it, but you have to be ready for the battle. You have to be prepared to wait. Sometimes it's a both end. David tells us in this psalm what it looks like to wait, what it feels like to wait, what it, what it feels like to move forward in that. And so I, I, I'm going to give you three points today, not much, but three points today. I want you to see in this psalm what David's talking about when he's talking about what it looks like to wait. And so again, Psalm chapter 40, I'm going to read the whole thing. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. And I'm going to ask you to stand in the honor and reading of God's word. Psalm chapter 40, starting in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. Nothing can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. You have given me an open ear and burnt offering and a sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in a scroll of the book of the, uh, written to me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written within my heart. I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great uh, congregation. Behold, I have not strained, uh, restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. 
I have spoken to your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love or your faithfulness in the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness have preserved me, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see. And they are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, and delivered me. O Lord, made haste to help me. Let us put to shame and be disappointed together, those who seek to snatch away my life, those who turn back and brought dishonor, who have delighted in my hurt, those that appall because of my shame, that say to me, Aha! But may you seek and rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. And as for me, I am poor and needed. But the Lord thought, uh, takes thought of me. You are my help, my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that though we wait on you patiently, you will come to us. You will place us in a place where we can be with you. Father, today let us focus on you. Let us hear what it looks like to wait even with our armor on and be ready to move forward in you. Jesus, thank you so much that you give us all of this. The reminders that waiting is never fun, but it is worth it because of you. We ask for your deliverance in any place that we are waiting for you. In your name we pray. And all God's saints will say, amen. Be seated. Thank you. So the first sentence of this psalm, the first sentence of the psalm shows us that David is practicing what he's been preaching. Matter of fact, the last two psalms, he's been talking about waiting on God. The last two psalms, he's been struggling with waiting on God. And, and, and he begins this psalm by declaring that he's waiting patiently on God. He said, I'm waiting on God. I'm declaring it. Even though he's been disciplined for what's going on in his life, he's receiving blows on his hand. He's maybe getting a swat on the backside. Some of us have had that. He's waiting patiently for things to end. And in verse 2, David brings out some imagery to what it's like to be in sin and, and have punishment. Pay punishment for our sins. He, he describes it as a, a slimy pit. Have you ever been in that place where you, you've done some sitting and, and everything's kind of come out in the open? It's a slimy pit. It's, you don't feel like you can get your steps. You, you don't feel like you can do what you need to do. You're, you're, you're trying to figure it out. And what David is describing in here, if you're taking notes, is he's describing God's deliverance. He's describing God's deliverance. He's saying, hey, this is a slimy pit. It's mud. It's mire. And all, you'll have to, all of us will have to endure times, just as David describes. Many times we have to deal with the pits of sin. And we can find ourselves caught in the muddiness of sin. And many times sin leads to these pits. And we find ourselves caught. We find ourselves not knowing what to do. And you see, the help that we need is not simply one another because of our slimy pits of sin. Sometimes we run to people and go, hey, will you help me out of this thing? But, but, but here's the thing. When you find yourself in the slimy mess of your sin, all you have to do is call on Jesus. That's the only one you have to call on. Because you can call on me, Pastor, come help me, and I'm going to help you, but my job is to point you to Jesus. You can call your friend, and, and if you have a good friend, they're going to point you to Jesus. If you're struggling... They're going to point you in that moment. But so many of us, we just continue to fail. We run to what we think we know, what we think we need in that moment, instead of running to God. We want to do better, and we have great intentions to improve our lives. We do. But it never works the way we think it should. And what happens 
why we fail is we fail to bring our failures to God. We fail to put them right in front of Him. And one of the more difficult uh, pits to extract ourselves from are our destructive habits. Destructive habits. We have habits that are very difficult to manage and to break. And, and even when you do break them, it's easy to slide back in them. Maybe an uncontrolled temper or uh, maybe some kind of uh, laziness or uh, some type of self-pity. Other types of sin that you have the ability to deal with that are unacceptable to work and break. And we deal with them in our society where we just go, oh, this is okay. Where our society says it's okay, but God need, we need God to help us through this. How many times do we find the Apostle Paul in a terrible circumstance? How many times do you read in the Bible where the Apostle Paul is struggling? Where he's like, I, I have this thorn in the flesh, and I don't know what that is. Nobody has any idea what it is. I've heard commentators say, well, it's, he's blind, or maybe he got stabbed. or I mean, the dude did go like, get shipwrecked and thrown up on an island and get bit immediately by a snake. Like, he, he had all kinds of things that happened to him, right? But whatever it was, he still looked to God and said, hey, in the midst of these terrible circumstances, in the midst of being beaten and stoned and imprisoned and shipwrecked and persecuted and finally, finally having his life sacrificed for the emperor of Rome, in the midst of all the pain and mess, Paul would say this. He would say this, quote, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I think that's what we have to say when we're in the midst of our slimy pit. You see, look what David says. Look, look, look back at the package, what David says that God did for him. He turned and heard my cry. I just want you to hear that. When you're in the midst of some of the worst parts of your life and you're, you're in the dark night of the soul, God will hear your cry. He wants to hear your cry. When you're, when you're struggling, he's going to hear your cry. But then what does he do? David says, he lift me out of the slimy pit, uh, pit, out of the mud and mire, and then he set my feet on rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Let me tell you something. And I'm going to say this because uh, you, you probably need to hear this. Kids, you really need to hear this. Adults, we, we definitely need to hear this. Sometimes the strongest place and the most solid place you'll ever stand is on rock bottom. And that's a long Long way down for some of us. I, I, I've, I've seen people that I, I go, man, they're going to hit rock bottom now. And maybe they're like a cat or maybe the bottom is, is a lot further than I thought it was. But they just keep flipping around and landing, it seems like, on their feet. But when you hit rock bottom, I promise you, that, that's the rock that David's talking about. He took him out of the side of his It's not like he took him to the top of the mountaintop. He just put him on the rock and said, stand here. There's nowhere else to go but up from here. But you're going to stand here for a second. And then, you know what happens in that moment when you're standing at rock bottom? When God has pulled you out of the miry pit and put you on that? David tells you the next thing that happens. He put a new song in my mouth. He put a new song in my mouth. Man, great things can happen in your lives when you put your trust in the Lord and you put that new song in your mouth. Man, you, you, you start singing a little bit different. You start praising a little bit different. Things are a little bit different for you. See, God will turn his ear and hear your pleas and draw near to you. And, he, and if you notice in the Psalms that David, that he says, hey, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And as David turns and cries to the Lord, God responds to David, noticing his plight, hearing his cry. What, what good dad or good mom hears their child crying and just goes, eh. Like, no, no good parent. I'll never forget the day that Aaliyah was born. 
never forget the day Aaliyah was born. I was walking down the hall. I went to go get my parents, uh, and, and, and my, my mom was in the waiting room. I know my in-laws were on their way, and I could hear her. Mind you, she sounded like a tea kettle, but I could hear her all the way down the hallway. And I told my mom, this, this is hour two of being a dad. I told my mom, that's my baby crying. And she goes, how do you know? And I go, I don't know. I just know. Every parent knows that. We all know our child's cry. We all know exactly what it is. It hits you different. It hits your soul different. No matter how old they get or how young they are, when you see a tear fall from their face, when you hear the cry come from their soul, you hear it. And that's what God wants for you. When he, when he hears your cry, he's going to respond. He hears and knows your voice. However, we know that God commanded sacrifices and offerings to be made. And David is telling us that you, can, you don't do good deeds to appease God. Good actions is not what God is looking for. No. Good actions don't take care of your sins. Let me say it again because we, we, we tend to believe this. Good actions don't take care of your sins. God does not desire good deeds when you violated his law. He, acts towards God are not to fulfill the requirements of God. Jesus died on the cross to do that. Verse 6, rather God tells us that he desires us to do his will. He wants you to do his will. He wants your, his law to be written on your heart. So that means for you guys that we walk and we hear and we know that we take up the shield of truth, that we have the sword, the offensive weapon of God's word in our hand, that we walk knowing that God is in for, before us. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verses uh, uh, 5 through 10, the writer of Hebrews, I won't speculate who that is, the writer of Hebrews says this in 5 and 7, he says, he actually quotes Psalm 40 directly. When Christ came to the world, he says, sacrifices and offerings were not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, and the burnt offerings of sin offerings take no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It is written of me in the scroll of this book. Whoever the writer of Hebrew is, he literally is saying, hey, Jesus, Jesus is the one that fulfills all this for you. He explains how these words apply to Jesus. He explains that it all goes back and that Jesus is the one that has sacrificed once and for all. He doesn't want your good deeds. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your good deeds. He wants your heart. One thing I had to learn with, with my parents, they always wanted me to follow their, their directions, but they wanted me to follow the heart of the law, right? Like, yeah, clean my room. But why? Because I want my room to be clean. Well, what, why, why do I not want to wreck my car that I got? Because it was my car. And, I, and, and they wanted me to take care of it and love it. They wanted me to have a heart for it. They wanted my heart to change, not just to follow the letter of the law, to stay out of trouble. That, that's what they're looking for. And God is looking for the same thing with you. And here's the thing. Over and over and over, Scripture says that, he, that Jesus came to abolish and then he abolished the law and then take your heart and conform it to what God wants us to do. So the pastor says this, I have come to do your will. Jesus is not speaking in terms of coming of what God told to do. He, say, he says, yeah, I'm definitely going to do what Christ told me to do, but the will is that we would follow the law. He says, I come to fulfill, to abolish that law so that you have the opportunity to walk with me. You're not walking old covenant sacrifices. Guys, you can't do enough. I, the way we put it in our house is you can't do enough to earn my love. You can't do enough to earn God's love. You have it already. He just wants your heart. So if you're taking notes, write this down. David talks about praying for forgiveness. He talks about praying for forgiveness. 
sorry, praising God's goodness, and then he talks about praying for forgiveness and deliverance. You need God's love and mercy. You need God's love and mercy. You know, when you're standing at rock bottom, you're going to continue to cry. The armor's getting heavy. It's getting hard. You're not sure if you've got to climb. You're not sure what you've got to do. But God's mercy and truth and love is always around you. It's right there. And verse 12 shows the connection. He says this, For troubles without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They're more than the hairs of my head, which is a lot, right? My heart fails within me. David needs forgiveness for his sins. He realizes, however, the sacrifices and burnt offerings were not going to remove his sins for him. Thus, David says, hey, hey, sacrifices and offerings you don't desire. No, I, I can't give you all of that. Let's never take for granted the salvation that God gives you, that he provides for you. Let's be mindful and thankful for the forgiveness that God places before us. I think a lot of times that we, we, especially here in the States, think that the Christian life is supposed to be an easy one. I, I get that because I, I've listened to a lot of Christian radio or I've now jumped on like Christian TikTok, uh, which is an interesting pit to run into. And, 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 and people will tell you all kinds of things. Hey, if you're following God, this won't happen. Or if you're doing this, this won't happen. Or maybe you're in sin because of this, that, and the third. Sometimes it's a sin that is a part of our life. We didn't know it was wrong. We found out it was wrong and now we're stuck. Sometimes it's something that we knew was wrong, we jumped into and it's just a part of who we are. And God says, I want to offer you a way out. I want to offer you a way out. Sometimes we find ourselves believing a lie. And God says, hey, have you fully equipped yourself? Have you actually put on my helmet of salvation? Because that helmet is the one thing that keeps those things out of your mind that you need. Have you, have you actually picked up my sword of truth and read it and know it? How many of us are actually knowing God's word? Have you put on the belt of truth that holds everything up? Have you done that? Have, have you sat behind the shield of faith and let the Father go before you? Have, you? have you done that? Are you willing to walk with me? And many of us go, but it's hard because we have to go uphill. And he says, yeah, yeah, your feet are shard with the gospel of truth. Are you willing to walk with me? But, but it's hard to climb. Yeah, yeah, but you can do it with me. Never take for granted the salvation that we have in the Lord. Be, be mindful and thankful for the forgiveness of the sins that he's extended despite your sins. Never be like those in the Bible that think they can earn something from God by working really hard or doing extra things to draw everything to you. The, 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 what David teaches in this passage is that sometimes you just got to wait. And I don't like waiting. I hate waiting. Because there's things I got to do. We were in New Orleans, um, and... and as soon as you walked out of the hotel, the hotel was, I think they kept it on 33 degrees, and then, like just above freezing. And then as soon as you walked out of the hotel, it was like 90 degrees and 100% humidity. It was just so hot, just for no reason. And I'm wearing a suit. And, and, and there's a long line. They had a shuttle system. And I can tell you the couple years we've, we've joined the shuttle system, it has not worked the way we thought it would work. They said every 15 minutes, and so we're standing outside trying not to sweat got to be in a meeting the whole day 
and you're just sitting there, and, and you see the bus. I saw the bus down the street, and it wasn't coming. And I'm like looking at my watch going, I have to be somewhere at 8.30. They're like, it'll be here soon, so I'm just waiting. And people were talking to me, hey, how are you doing? Hey, and if you know me, I have a, a threshold of people. And, and 19,000 of my closest friends was my threshold. And now people want to talk to me and like pat me on the side in 100% humidity in a suit while I'm waiting for a bus that I can see, but it's not moving towards me. And I'm trying to be Christian. And it's not, it's not holding. It's not holding. And then at one point, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I have to be somewhere in 15 minutes. So I Google map how long it takes to walk to the convention center. And it says 15 minutes. Bet I can do that. So I start walking and walking. And, and just so you know, and, and I'll take this little this moment to brag on myself, I had three minutes to spare. I was sweating profusely, but I had three minutes to spare. I made it. I made it to the uh, convention center, to the area I had to do, without running, with three minutes to spare. Um, I may have sweated out my suit, but that's a whole different thing. I'll dry cleaners to deal with that. The part that was hard for me is, as I got to the convention center, the bus I was waiting on pulled up. And the people that I was with got out. Air-conditioned. They felt nice. They looked nice. They didn't have sweat running down their face. They weren't, their whole mustache here wasn't just like bubbled up with water, right? And here's the worst part. If I had to go be on a camera and talk to people, they just had to walk in and be cold. Because I didn't want to wait. Just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Sometimes, sometimes when you're waiting, it just seems like it's never going to happen. What you need or what you want is never going to come. What, what you really, really, really need, what you think you really, really need in that moment is never going to happen in the time you want it to happen, in the place you want it to happen. You're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes God is going to make you wait past when you think you need to in order to get you to what he wants you to. And that's ridiculously hard. It makes you want to scream. It makes you want to give up. It makes you want to punt. It makes you want to walk through New Orleans in 90 degree heat in, in a full suit. It makes you want to do whatever you can to get to what you think you need in the time you need it. Because sometimes waiting patiently on the Lord is the hardest thing you'll ever do. This week we learn how to put on our full armor. We learn how to get ourselves dressed. And the battle will come. The battle is going to come. It's going to be one of the hardest battles you've ever had for your whole life. But here's what he says in Romans 11, verse 20. So don't become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will, uh, will he spare you. Notice the, the kindness and the severity. The severity of those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided, uh, provided you continuous kindness. Otherwise, you'd be cut off. God provides you kindness. He says he's got you. You just have to wait. Be fully dressed and wait. Be ready to go, but wait. I don't know about you, but um, I grew up going to barbecues with my parents. One of the worst things we ever had to do was wait on them to say goodbye. Anybody else? 
If you ever, especially in the Midwest, we say goodbye, I think, I think for 40 minutes to an hour, right? I mean, you know, the, the signs are you, you're at the barbecue and you say whelp and you slap your, your leg. That's the first goodbye. That's, that's to let you know I'm done with the conversation. I'm preparing to leave. Then you stand up and you go get a piece of Tupperware and proceed to get whatever you're going to get as you're leaving while talking. At that point, you proceed to the front door. That's when the third conversation begins. Uh, and, and you have a conversation about whatever you're finishing, and you continue the conversation. At that point, your kids are angry. And if you were the child, guys, just so you guys know, this is what we do. You're nodding your head because your parents do this. Well, you, you're, you're angry at this point. Then you get to the car. And if you're like my parents, they would roll down the window and have another conversation. I can't wait to see you, babe. Hey, no, nah, take care, take care. And at that point, I'm just in the back going, oh, because I just want to go, right? For all of you, just if I described your experience, welcome to the Midwest. That's what we do. The thing I look back on as a child is those experiences of waiting are some of the sweetest experiences I ever had with my cousins and my family. Those experiences of falling asleep on a couch or in the backseat of a car or with my friends, those are some of the most sweetest experiences I've ever had. And sometimes waiting on the Lord, though hard, though strenuous, will be some of the sweetest experiences you've ever had. Wait on the Lord, and he will be with you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that you give us the ability to wait on you. It is ridiculously hard to do. David shows us here that in the middle of everything that we have, the miry clay, the the struggles and the strongholds that are in our life, that waiting on you feels impossible. And so Jesus, I just ask right now that you help us to do that. Father, for some of us, we can't wait on you because we don't know you. And we need to know you. We need to know who you are We need to know what you would have for us to do. And so, Father, I would ask for some of us to receive you as our Savior, to come into our lives, to change our lives, to take us out of the sin and the sickness that we've been in, and to drop us on solid ground. Father, thank you so much that you would do that. That you would choose to save our soul. That you would bring us to a point of love and righteousness with you. God, give us patience in you and help us to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio of Soma Community Church located in Jefferson City. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for the content or alter it in any way without express written permission. For more information about Soma, please visit us at www.somajc.org.